Hey, Bethel Cleveland listeners. We just want to remind you that we've launched a brand new show called the Steve Witt Podcast. Each week, join Steve Witt as he goes further into the word and he offers his unique perspective on the things going on around the world. You don't want to miss this, so check it out. Search Bethel Cleveland on Apple or Spotify Podcasts. Enjoy. Welcome to Bethel Cleveland's Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy today's message. For more information on this podcast or how to get connected, go to BethelCleveland.com. Thank you. Thank you very much. All right. Hey, good to be here. Those two handsome uh, guys up there are Josh and Daniel. My son and my nephew. First time we've had full family on there. Uh, it was a lot, of, a lot of fun. Good looking, the bearded ones, you know. By the way, there's a rumor because of uh, Brian Welsh coming that Jerry's going to grow dreadlocks between now and the conference. <laughs> so pray for him. All right. It's going to need prayer. Open up your Bibles if you could. We're in the series on the Word. We're studying the Word, obviously. <laughs> we do that every week, I hope. Uh, but we're focusing on the power of the word, the power of the Bible, just to change our lives. And uh, we are in a time and a, uh, an era right now where this is more important than ever before. There's moments coming in your life individually. You know, there is, there is now, nationally, there's, there's all kinds of stuff stirring. And there's a fight for virtue and a fight for for values, what is America really about? And some things need to be corrected, obviously. You know, we're, we are growing out of racism. There will always be racism, but I'm talking about systemic racism. We're growing out of so many different things, and yet, in the midst of it, that can be used for things that are not what we're bargaining for. And so as Christians, this has been coming up now in my world, and I'm sure it is in yours too. What do, we, what do we speak up about? Do Christians even speak up? Christians just need to kind of, you know, and this is when people start talking about the sufferings of Christ and everything, and I understand that, you know, and the martyrs over the years, and okay, well, that's where you want to go, you know, but there may be some other options. Uh, and uh, all these kinds of things, and about the love of God and what it's like. And, I, you know, the more I hear, the more I understand that, we don't always understand what the Word of God says, what Jesus says about love and what it really looks like. So I want to unpack that today in, in my uh, 30 minute, 30, 31 minutes right now. And so I'm going to scan through a lot of scriptures quickly. Uh, I do have a podcast every week now. Uh, it's called, uh, I think, Bethel Cleveland, Steve Witt. Is that what it's called? Steve Witt Podcast. Steve Witt Podcast. And you can search that. Is that on the webpage too or on the? Yeah, search Bethel Cleveland on Apple Podcasts. Okay, yeah, search that out. It'll come up. So what I'm doing on those podcasts is sharing in depth things that I may not have had time to share on Sunday morning. Typically, I've got anywhere between nine to 12 pages of notes. I usually, usually use about one and a half to two. So there's a lot of material in there that I just study. I try to overstudy. I have been doing that my whole life. And uh, I, I'm sharing a lot of it. I'm really enjoying it, actually. It's about 30 minutes long. 
and we just get, I get more to the point of some of the situations we're talking about. So if you need clarity, go there and try that. Or if you just need more information, go there. Because I think we're in a moment right now where we are re-educating Christians about the Word of God, about Scripture and the importance of Scripture. Scripture is so magnificent. I know I say this every week. But the reading of it, the reading of it with a hungry heart creates transformation. It's, your, it's one of your best ways to move toward transformation is daily reading. But somewhere in the church, we've come to say, well, that's just legalism. No, it's a spiritual. It's a spiritual. It's something that you do. They've called them in the past uh, spiritual disciplines, devotions. At camp, we called them vespers. <laughs> It's, it's the daily reading of the Word of God. And I love the fact that in the mainline church and in, in the Catholic church, for centuries now, they focused on public reading of the Word of God. I mean, it's very important to do that. Repetition over a six or seven year period where they take their congregations through the entire Word of God. And everyone in the world is reading the same stuff on the same day of every week. And you go, well, that's just too organized. No, it's spiritual. It's developing rituals in your life that are spiritual and actually have a dynamic on your soul. Daily prayer is a ritual. Jesus, Paul takes it beyond that. Paul takes it beyond that and says, pray without ceasing. <laughs> so how, what do you, whatever that looks like in your life, you are a person, a man or a woman of prayer Everywhere you go, when I move into a new room or building during the day, I usually whisper up a prayer, say, Lord, help me see what you see. If I'm going into Panera or I'm going into Home Depot or going into someone's house, whatever it might be, I want to see what he sees. I want to be led by the Spirit. I know what Steve Witt would do and where Steve would go. That has not proven to be the best. And so we want the Spirit. Why are you laughing, Tim? It, I recognize that laugh. Why are, you, why, why are you going where you're going? We lean into the Spirit of God. And so we're in a place right now, will you be ready? When the moment comes into your life, the challenge comes into your life, will you be ready with clear, informed, anointed words? Clear, informed anointed, or in other words, clear, you're able to make sense to the common American clarity, informed that the Word of God has been stored in your soul, in your heart. And, and uh, the final one was the final one, uh, oh, anointed, that the Spirit of God has come upon those words and will bring those words up appropriately. You know, as, I, as you get older, you you tend to not remember certain things as well as you did before. I know that's a bad confession. I shouldn't say it, but it is kind of a reality. And so you grab for words and you're trying, what, what was that? Uh, Cindy and I have a great time. It's like charades around our house. She goes, you remember when we were at, you know, that, you know, um, and somehow when you're married 44 years, I'll say, Verena. And she goes, how did you know that? I've just lived with you for 44 years. We read one another's minds. But when you can't read one another's minds, you need recall. Holy Spirit recall is amazing. It makes you look so smart and not as old. 
So you're blessed, you know. You're like, yeah, 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 I remember that. Yeah, the Holy Spirit brought to my mind. In the days ahead, you will need Holy Spirit recall. You will need the Word of God hidden deep in your heart. You will need the anointing of the Holy Spirit, and you'll need to be clear in how you communicate. That's what we, I don't know that we can put that on a byline underneath our name, but that's what we want to do here. We want to raise up warriors that are fully equipped, and it's my intention through this series called The Word, and the next series is going to be called Food. And I'm going to do some unusual things during that series. You're going to love it. So this week we saw nationally something that actually happened a few months ago, but was brought up in a new way this week, where Governor DeSantis of Florida, and this is an illustration of what I'm talking about, quotes, he's campaigning, of course, he's a governor, he's a follower of Jesus, and uh, he speaks Scripture. And so he speaks right out of where I'm going to be reading in just a few minutes. Out of Ephesians 6, he talks about the armor of God. He calls the nation to put on the armor of God that you might stand against the schemes of the far left. And because he defined what he saw was an enemy, he got, he got, he got slammed. And then when Sean Foyt retweeted it, uh, God TV uh, said that they were speaking blasphemy. And uh, I know some of the people on God TV, and I thought, whoa, that's, uh, that seems a little bit harsh, you know. So we were in a moment, I don't know if you followed it, but for a few days, some people have no idea what's going on. But for a few days, that was a, that was a, it was a moment. It, was, it, was a, it, it, it caused Christians to think, do I have a right to speak Scripture over things that I deem as evil? Do I, as a Christian, believe there is evil? Well, see, we, some people don't in the church. They don't understand what's going on right now. And, because, and some of that is because they're not in the Word of God. When you're in the Word of God, you're studying the Word of God, it brings you clarity of thought. It gives you constructs of understanding when you read. As long as you're reading in faith, if you're reading it like a, you know, a nonfiction, fictional, whatever, you know, fictional novel or something like that, it's not going to stick. But when you're reading it in faith, Lord, thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. You're asking for reconstruction. You're asking for amazing shift and change in your soul, regardless of what's happening in the exterior in this tent called our body. And that's what Paul called it. This tent will one day be cast aside. But spiritually, there's something that God is going to leave with you that fire cannot penetrate. In fact, the fire of the enemy or even the test of the Lord upon your life will come into your very soul and it will make it stronger. If you've ever saw the movie Matrix, I love, you know, when he finally turns around, gets who he is and everything. You know, they're shooting the bullets at him, you know. And this thing where he, remember where he closes his fists like this? There's this kind of thing going on with the movie, like, it's power coming out of him. Now he knows there's deception out there, that he truly is living in a lie. He's breaking out of that lie. It's an amazing movie. I wouldn't recommend two and three, but the first one's pretty good. They got a little off base on the second and third one, but the first one was an amazing parable of really the believer living in a false world carrying truth. 
It says in John 1.1, notice I'm quoting scripture in John 1.1. It says that the word became flesh. That was speaking of Jesus. It was another term for Jesus. He was the living word. He's the embodiment of everything that God has ever said throughout the centuries. Jesus coming as a babe in the flesh. The word descended and became flesh and dwelt among us. This is the path of every believer. Every believer needs to be embodied with the word of God. You come, you dwell among them. Whoa, you're in this world, but not of this world. Another scripture. In this world, but not of this world. You are dwelling among them. And it says, and they became, their life became light. And the light shined in darkness. The life of the word, the embodiment of the word of God becomes light. And that light, I mean, I don't know if you saw it in the eyes of those two young men in there in that video. I can see the life of God. Josh Witt bordered on preaching there a little bit. It was really close. Supposed to be announcements, Josh. If you're watching this right now from, from Florida, you, that was a good job, though. I like that. He danced along the edges of the Word of God. Boy's a preacher. Both of those guys are preachers. They're going to emerge as preachers someday. In the name of Jesus, I prophesy that right now. <laughs> There's something about the power of the Spirit of God that life cannot help itself but be a light. Do you know people that have life in them? We have people in this church that have so much life that it's a light. It's like they just, they're just shining with the power of God. It's the Word of God and the Spirit of God within them ejected through an amazing personality. And so the power of God comes forth. The life becomes a light. It shines in darkness. This is the mission of every believer. And they comprehended it not. So here's the deal. This is your call. Imbibe the word of God. Inculcate the total understanding of the word of God. Let the spirit of God move through you in that word. Dwell among people and let your life become a light and may it shine. I like this an illustrated sermon. Shine into darkness. You said, but the darkness did not comprehend it. It's okay. You're not called to force them into the kingdom of God. You are called to be a life and a light. And when you're a life and a light, they will resist some of them. Some will receive him gladly. But many will resist. We're finding right now cultures being shaped around us in America that is resistant to Christian understanding. It's been happening for a while, by the way. But it's being exacerbated. It's being amplified. It's being punctuated right now. You feel it everywhere you go. People are saying weird stuff. I mean, you're just speaking it out. Weird stuff. You go, what do I do? I just need to pray more. I'm feeling so oppressed. I'm feeling so persecuted. Have you shed blood yet? No. You will receive persecution in this life. Another scripture. You will receive persecution. But you are life. And you are light by the power of God. The word of God is in you. The spirit of God imbibes you. Move in the power of word and spirit. I love Jesus said to the woman of the well that there's a day coming when we will all worship in spirit and in truth. 
Spirit and truth people are being raised up all over this country and around the world right now, and they're pushing back. Now, I find a lot of Christians say, you shouldn't push back. And so they develop theologies around one or two verses. They said, Jesus wouldn't resist. Really? I'm going to show you a few verses. They're going to just set your hair on fire in a few minutes. That true love actually resists. Let's look at it so I have enough time to do it. Okay. Matthew chapter 7, verse 24 says this. I'm going to crank through a few verses quick and then settle into something and then we'll go eat chicken. Matthew 7, 24 says this. Whoever hears these sayings, Jesus just told a parable. Whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them. So you got to hear and do. Hear, do, hear, do. <laughs> right? You got to hear and do. I will liken them, or they're kind of like a wise man. Interesting. Wise people do certain things. They don't just hear it. They do it. It's true in this life. Entrepreneurs, you know, you have a lot of knowledge and not do anything. But when you do, you become an entrepreneur. I was going to say denewer. <laughs> You're an entrepreneur. It means you are creating something. You're doing something. Literally, entrepreneur, it's, I think it's uh, French. Uh, there, it's like in between uh, that you've come from where you are to where you're going to be. Entrepreneur is creating that middle zone there. And you're, you're becoming someone who didn't just hear and lock it inside, but they do stuff. And it says, those who do in the kingdom are like the wise man who built his house on the rock. Now, the rock is not just faith in Jesus. The rock is a solid foundation on this side of heaven that is built because not just that you sat in church for 30 years and heard the word, but you actually stepped out of your comfort zone and you hear and you do, you do what you hear. And with scripture as your construct in your spirit, you know your boundaries. <laughs> Boundaries are a big thing right now. I'm not going to get off on it, but I do have opinions. I've set boundaries. Usually that means I don't like you anymore and you're not going to see me. I've set boundaries and, oh, you're not inside those boundaries. Christians now are using this everywhere. I never heard Jesus say that. When you come against an enemy, set boundaries. Now, someone is abusive, you... You, you need to learn to speak truth. Oh, no, 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 no. If I speak truth, they'll never speak to me again. Well, you're trying to set boundaries. Why not just offend them? Speak the word of the Lord. If, you, if we can't learn it in the church, we will never do it out there. I, there's people here that sit on the other side because they don't want to sit near, you know, who? Sorry, I didn't point to anyone specifically. I just can't take that person any longer. I've set boundaries. Some people moved up to Middleburg so they wouldn't be out here because of someone here. Someone's moved out here because there was someone in Middleburg. Welcome. There's more people out here like those at Middleburg. How about let the Lord set your boundaries? And how about you use love to penetrate every aspect of your life and learn how to love in a Jesus way? 
<clears throat> That's what we're going to look at. So we're building on a rock. We're building on a rock of not only what we believe, but what we do. We don't want to be hypocrites. We want to be known for doing what we believe. First Corinthians chapter seven. I just ran across this verse. It's funny. <laughs> These past few weeks, <clears throat> not the past few, but past few months. I've run across key scriptures after I've sealed off my sermon, you know. And I shoot, I gotta go back here and fit this in. It's really good. First Corinthians 7, 23, and I'm gonna talk more about this in the next few weeks. You were bought at a price. <clears throat> Listen to this. Let's talk about slavery. You were bought at a price. Do not become slaves of men. You were bought with a price. It was Jesus shed blood. Do not become slaves of men. We sang this for about three years. No longer slave to fear. I am a child of God. We sang it with our mascot, but anyway. No longer slave to fear. I am a child of God. You were bought with a price. Do not become a slave of men. In other words, you need to, the boundaries you need to know is when you're, when you're bound by slavery. You need to be a slave of Christ, it says in Romans, and not a slave of men. <clears throat> so when you bring Christ into mankind, you're going to find out that the spirit of Christ stands against the darkness, and the darkness will not comprehend who you are or what you believe. And because they don't want to do that, they will actually attack you in the name of Christ. And so this week we saw that, I believe. I like uh, Governor DeSantis. I think he's, he's uh, a good man. <clears throat> I think he's standing for right things. He's not perfect, I'm sure. I do not live with him. I do not know him. But from what I see that he is doing, we judge people by the fruit of their lives. Now, there's a great awakening coming. <clears throat> it's been prophesied. It's been on my mind. That's the good news. <laughs> Bad news is, are we going to be ready for that? Are we going to, are we, are we, when it comes, whatever it looks like, are we going to be able to say, well, I'm a Jesus follower. You know, I'm, yeah, I'm with that group. Right now, we're in a time of suffering. It's a light suffering, but we're in a time of suffering. And we will come out of this. And if we do not, we will enter into the, the, the uh, company of Old and New Testament people, most of which lived under governments that were totalitarian, totalitarian, totalitarian leader where it was strong, overt control over the people. And by the way, if you do that, there's still a role. <clears throat> people like Daniel. I love Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego because you know what they did? They captured them. They, they believed they were around 14 years old. Took them out of Judea, out of Israel. Took them in the Babylonian uh, captivity. And uh, they were going to be there for 70 years. And uh, they're young men. They changed their names. You imagine that if the government forced you to change your name to a name that honored false gods. And they did it. They understood the battle. And they understood that if they stood and said, I will not have my name changed. Now, there's times you do that. I will not have my name changed. They would have been killed. <clears throat> so they thought, I can't do much good 
Did you know that you can actually be martyred and it not be the right thing? <clears throat> Going deep here right now. That if, you, that if you give yourself to be burned and have not love, you have nothing. What a waste. You imagine showing up to heaven and the Lord's going, what, what are you doing here? <laughs> what, what do you mean? Were you not watching? Yeah, yes, I was watching. I gave myself to be burned. It wasn't your time. What? Why didn't you tell me that? I was trying to. You're too busy being a martyr. Was it a good thing? And he said, well, no. I mean, you're still here, obviously, and you're in heaven. Is that conversation going to happen? No, I'm just uh, saying what if. <laughs> so there's times you say, not now. Not now. It's called self-control. Let's all say that. Self-control. It's actually a fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit is you, there's times you're going to go, boy, I feel like slapping this guy upside the head. <clears throat> but you're not going to do that because it won't be as under the Lord. No, I feel it's the Lord. <laughs> it's not the Lord. How can you tell me what's the Lord? Because I read Scripture. Oh, okay, I'll reconsider. I mean, it's crazy, but I hear these kinds of things. I just, you know, I should have really. It's like, mm, probably not. Probably not. There, there's a day where you'll speak. But when you speak, think of, think of Joseph when he was sold into slavery by his brothers. You know, humiliate. You know, you talk about sozo. <clears throat> he should have got free sozo for like 10 years to get his heart restored, forgive them, see Jesus in that moment. Where was he? I didn't see him in that moment. Well, then you failed Sozo. You need to take it again. That's what you got to do. You got to see Jesus in the moment, you know. He did. But over the years, the Lord began to work on him and he gets to the point where absolute vengeance is possible. His brothers are before him. They do not know who he is because by the way, he had his head shaved. He looked like an Egyptian. He was trained in Egyptian understanding. They did not recognize him even though he was sold into slavery as a young adult. They did not recognize him. And he went into the side room. Oh, oh, Lord, what am I supposed to do? What am I supposed to do? And what came to him was he recounts the story to them and says, it was not your fault. For what men intended for evil, God brought about for good. That was 13 years. It took him 13 years to come to that. When he had the moment where he could say, guards, these are the ones that sold me into slavery. They probably heard the story many times. Take them away, off with their heads, whatever they do back then. But instead he wept and they were fearful thinking, oh no, it's Joseph. It's Joseph, he's going to kill us. And Joseph comes out and he ends up relocating the entire family, Jacob and all, all the way. And they were able to spend the rest of their lives with a brother. They now said, our brother, our brother, who is assistant to the king of Egypt. There are times you may even have the, the real opportunity and misinterpret that as, a, as an option from God. He's the one that opened the door. He wants me to do this. He wants me to smack them upside of the head. I'm feeling God all over it. 
Well, see, what that tells me is this, you're, you're speaking truth minus the love. Oh, wait, wait. What, truth has to be loving? Yeah, I mean, you can speak truth and you'll get a whole lot of enemies. And you can speak love and be miserable because people abuse you all the time. But once you get into the spirit, with the word of God sunk deep in your spirit, you speak in spirit and truth. Spirit and truth. Turn with me to Ephesians real quick. I'm sailing fast here. By the way, a little commercial while you're turning there, Ephesians 6. I've been reading a book now for about a year. I think I'm in my second, third reading, something like that. I mark it all up right on the cover. I love, I love these kinds of books. You can tell if I like a book by how beat up it is. And it's got all kinds of little markers in it, you know, and I read through it over and over again because it is so timely. It's called uh, Live Not By Lies. And anyone watching, I'm telling you to walk into the future. You're gonna need the word of God and this book might help too. So Live Not By Lies is a manual for Christian dissidents written by a guy who interviewed people who lived under the Soviet power and what it was like to live there as believers. How is it to live under a totalitarian force or government? And so it's fascinating. You read through here and you're like, whoa, wow, that's happening right now. These kinds of things. I wish I had time to read out of it. I will in my uh, podcast this week. But it's a powerful book. I'd love it if ever. I think we have a few of them in the bookstore, but I'd love it. You can get it on Amazon. I'd love it if everyone here read it. And tell me, I mean, contend with me on it. In love. <laughs> it's really good, actually. Read the book. I'd be interested to hear what you think about it. Plow through it, mark it up, read it, and tell me what you think. Anyway, in Ephesians 6, it says this. This is the controversial verse that Governor DeSantis quoted this, this week, actually in, I think it was June or July, and was requoted this past week. Finally, my brethren, this is Paul speaking while in prison. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord. Think of all the, the commanding things he's thinking here. I've got them all marked out in my Bible. What does he tell us to do? He tells us to be strong, be strong in this moment, in this time, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Not your might, his might. Look at verse 11, put on. This sounds like effort. There is something in the church in America right now that says anything that takes effort, I don't want to be a part of. It's legalism, it's, it's, it's requiring something. I'm not saying that this is gonna keep you out of heaven if you don't do this. I'm just telling you what God speaks through scripture and what his expectation of a saint is. It's not to just sit and do nothing. He says, put on the armor of God. And we think that's for our protection, and I'm sure it is, but it's actually for battle. And so we're not on the defense all the time. It says, put on, which is active and assertive, the whole armor of God, that you may be able to stand. Take a stand. Do what you need to do now so you will stand when the time comes that you need to stand. And you will not wilt. And this book will help you with that. How Christians, particularly Baptists, in what was the Soviet Union or Eastern Bloc of Europe, Bulgaria, Hungary, Hungary Bulgaria, all the various countries, Estonia, Lithuania, you know them all, Poland, 
all down through there. That whole area where they were, they were imprisoned by an ideology. Children did not even know they were, they were being programmed daily in their schools about communism and specifically Marxism, which blot was an antichrist spirit to the core. That you may be able to stand against what? So you put on the armor that you can stand against the wiles of the devil. You know, I talk about that word. It's one of my favorite Bible words, wiles. It's schema, schema, schemes. Plans and strategies. You know, God has a plan for you. You have a plan for you. And the devil has a plan for you. And I ask people, which plan are you living in? <laughs> you know, well, I have a bucket list. Did you know your bucket list needs to be submitted to God? We're, we're slaves. Remember that. We're slaves of righteousness. It's pretty quiet in here. Cindy, go warm the car up. <laughs> we did against the wiles of the devil because we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. It's not Biden and Trump, but against principalities, against powers, against rulers. It's way bigger than that. It's principalities, it's powers, it's the unknown world that even is attracted to this site right here because of the prophetic promises that are on this church. There, there may be even a special persecution by being a part of this church. We don't put that in our brochures. <laughs> against principalities, powers, rulers of darkness in this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. Therefore, take up. So we've put on, we're taking up the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand, there it is again, to withstand in the evil day. Most theologians talk about an evil day being the day of the Lord when he comes again, and that's true. But how many of you know there are days in life that are weightier than other days? There are evil times where you need to take a stand. We are in one of those times Right now, I believe from now up to the election of 2024, we're in a two-year period where we need to learn how to take a stand. This is a time right now, you got two years. BSSM's open, you can get, still get into BSSM. Get in the Word of God, learn how to move in the Spirit, and get out of yourself and start serving the poor and loving others. Learn how to love over the next two years. It says, therefore, take up the whole armor. I said that already. So we stand, I said that too. Stand therefore, having girded, having girded, we gotta put on, we gotta take up, we gotta gird. I don't like that word, I've never liked it because it makes me think of girdle. <laughs> but girding your waist in ancient times was pulling up your robe so you can run. You can't run when your legs are covered with loose cloth. I've seen some of these inner city guys and they got their pants down, way down the back. They can't run. And so what's the Lord say? Pull up your pants. Maybe it's a prophetic sign. Pull them up, buy a belt. My son refused to buy a belt when he was 16 years old. So he, he came home and I noticed his pants were up nice and high and I said, whoa, what's going on? He showed me and he had a, he had a uh, bungee. bungee cord. <laughs> yeah, you can, you can stop that. You can't run if, you're, 
if your pants are down. My son was washing his car one day in our driveway. He was about 16 years old. I pulled up and saw, you know, his, his pants were down a little bit, quite a bit, actually, in the back, you know. He had beautiful underwear on. <laughs> on the back. And, uh, and he had no shirt on. So in the car, I took my shirt off, pulled my pants down in the back, and I just started walking up the driveway. He looked at me and said, Dad, what are you doing? I said, What's the problem? He said, your pants are down. He ran over and started pulling my pants up. I said, well, don't do, do, do that. I'm making a statement. I don't know how much it helped, but I was speaking the truth in love. <laughs> Having gird your waist with truth. That's the belt. Truth. Truth is important. Put on the breastplate of righteousness. Having shod. There it is again. We got a shod too. Taking the shield. Take the helmet. And the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Truth. Bind your waist with truth and take up the word of truth, the word of God, that you may be able to fight the enemies. It's fascinating. You know, and that's, oh man, there's so much I just want to talk. Let me go back to Ephesians 4 real quick. I'm, I'm three minutes over, but we'll, uh, I'll touch more on it in the uh, podcast later this week. So Ephesians 4, which, which precedes Ephesians 6. So it's before the armor of God thing. Verse one, it says, therefore as a prisoner of the Lord, I beseech you to walk worthy of the calling which you were called with all lowliness and gentleness, long suffering, bearing with one another in love. Love has got to be developed in our heart or when we respond, it will sound hellish rather than heaven-like. In endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit. So unity is important. Peace is important. How do you say difficult things and respond in truth and yet preserve the unity and the peace of those that are around you? You do that by love. And, and you cannot just say, okay, I'm going to love them. It's got to be in your soul. You can't fake love. I guess you can for a short time. But scratch and sniff and it doesn't smell like love at all. It doesn't go very deep that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro. Look at verse 15. Speaking the truth in love, we may grow up. <sighs> Speaking the truth in love. Jesus spoke the truth in love. I'm way over, but let me just give you a few examples. I'm only on page three. All right. Jesus. Government officials. The representative of the Roman, can we close those doors in the back there, please? The, the representative of the Roman Empire was Herod. Jesus said this about Herod. On the very day that the Pharisees came to him saying, get out and depart from here for Herod wants to kill you. Pharisees are telling him that. Must be friendly Pharisees. They're trying to save his life. What did Jesus say? Okay, I'll pack up my stuff. Disciples, quickly, let's get out of here. I think I hear the footbeat of the soldiers coming right now. Now, you know what he says? He says, surely not. Jesus didn't say this. He said to him, go tell that fox. He called a government, a king, Jewish, but under Roman empire, Roman rule, a friend of the Romans, a fox. Was that... Was it an attractive thing? He's a fox. <laughs> Tell that fox. 
Herod, I like that turban you're wearing. I mean, <laughs> no, fox meant an unclean animal. He called the king an unclean animal. If Governor DeSantis did that, we'd be upset as Christians. That's not the way a Christian talks. You need to talk like Jesus would. But the difference is, Jesus was love. Out of Jesus, but you know that love talks this way. This is what shocks me. Love talks that way. You go, well, it's one instance. I mean, Steve, you need to go to seminary. Oh, I did. You need to go to seminary and study hermeneutics. Learn to pronounce it first. Hermeneutics, where you get into understandings of what the word was. And that you never base any understanding on just one verse. You need two or three verses. Okay, let me give you two or three. By the way, it was generally seen as an insult, what Jesus said. Listen to what he said. He said, you tell that fox, behold. I cast out demons and perform cures today and tomorrow. And the third day, I shall be perfected. What is he saying there? He's saying, I'm right here. You tell that fox, I'm here. They're seeking to kill you. Okay, let them know where I am. Let them know what I'm doing. Let's see what he does. Jesus wouldn't talk that way. He did. He did. Out of Luke, and Luke's a doctor. They never lied to you. <laughs> Jesus. To Peter, his imminent, most eminent, preeminent apostle that he selected outside of Paul. Peter, he says to him on one occasion, Peter goes up to Jesus to rebuke him. That's what the Bible says. You imagine rebuking Jesus? That tells me you don't know who Jesus is. <laughs> he says, far be it from you, Lord, that this shall not happen. He's talking about his crucifixion. Verse 23, he turns and says to Peter, bro, I'm sorry, it's the truth. You know, you're just gonna have to learn how to deal with it. Oh, no, he didn't say that. He said, get behind me, Satan. You ever said that to your best friend? And people go, well, he wasn't talking to Peter. He was talking to the, the moment of what was happening and what was being said. Oh, okay, but Peter was standing there. <laughs> he said, get behind me, Satan. He says, he says to Peter. So he wasn't like looking over Peter's shoulder. He wasn't beholding in the clouds and saying, get behind me, Satan. I know you're there. <laughs> no, he's looking right at Peter and he says, get behind me, Satan. You are an offense to me and you are not mindful of the things of God, but the things of men. <laughs> then Peter goes, wait, wait, wait a minute. Come on back. I'm sorry. I don't know what happened. He didn't do that. He let it rest. There's no examples in here of him apologizing. Later on, hey, I was a little rough on you. That's what we do today. How are you gonna build a team if you're that rough with them? Well, you build teams that actually will be crucified upside down on a cross. That's what happened to Peter ultimately. Jesus said to his disciples, if anyone desires to come after him, me, let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. You imagine the disciples after that rebuke? Well, okay, we have options. We can leave if we want. Real quick, I'll go into this more at the end of the week. Go ahead and stand up so you know I'm finished. 
Jesus turned the tables over twice in scripture. At the beginning of his ministry in John, at the end of his ministry in the Synoptic Gospels. Interesting. You, you imagine him turning over tables? Excuse me, everybody. I'm going to do a little damage here, but I'm a rich carpenter. I'll fix it later. But you shouldn't be doing what you're doing right now. I mean, I, I don't want to be judgmental, but I, you shouldn't be doing that. So if everyone just back away from the tables and get, get the birds, the doves, get them off of there. Take all those off because I don't want to hurt anybody. He goes in, throws the tables over. I mean, people, this is a strong Northern carpenter. He comes in and he, he shouts out to them and says, you have taken a house of prayer and made it into a den of thieves. That just doesn't gain popularity. He said things to crowds that made them all leave. To where he even turned to the disciples and said, are you going to leave also? And some of them were probably considering it, you know. He turns over the tables. Brave communication. Danny Silk talked. That's brave communication. Bold, truthful love sometimes looks like this. Don't go home and get angry at someone and say, Pastor Steve said it was okay. <laughs> you you got to know the timing. You got to know the moment. And the only way you're going to know that, spirit and truth, worship, spirit and truth, spirit and truth. Let it just roll over your spirit. Man, there's so much more. Jesus calls the Pharisees, the kind of key heads, the, the theologians of his day. He says, you, they show up at one of his meetings. And he says, he calls out, says, hey, brood of vipers. Who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? It almost sounds like he didn't want them to be saved. Who warned you about the wrath to come? You imagine being a Pharisee? Well, I was getting ready to follow Jesus. Now I don't know if I am. Another time, Matthew 23, woe to you scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. You're like whitewashed tombs, which indeed appear beautiful outwardly, but inside are full of dead men's bones in all uncleanliness. Even so you also outwardly appear righteous to men, but inside you are full of hypocrisy and lawlessness. Jesus holds the lamb, gentle Jesus. You say, oh yeah, but that was Jesus. That's what we've been saying for 2,000 years. It was Jesus, yeah. Aren't we supposed to learn of him? Aren't we supposed to be like Jesus? Weren't we born of the spirit? Does not Jesus dwell within us? Is there not moments when you will say things and walk away and say, I have no idea where that came from, but I stand by it. It's going to happen. But right now you got to build up the war chest in your spirit. This is not a time to use it on your boss. You will lose your job. But there will be a day when you'll take a stand. Will you take the stand? Because you put on the armor of God in the presence of the Lord. Jay, where are you? Go on over. Jay's going to pray for you. And we're going to learn by the grace of God. I'm learning. I mean, I'm, I'm right with you. I'm, I, I am learning this myself. There's things I should have been more outspoken about. I wasn't. It was probably the fear of man and women. But I'm working on it. I'm working on it. The Word of God, Spirit of the Lord, come. I want 
to be a righteous warrior. I do not want to be an offense to anything except in the name of Jesus Christ. With him dwelling in me, I am a dangerous person. I will speak when it's awkward. I will speak when it may have penalty attached to it. And what I want to see raised up is a congregation of loving truth tellers. Read the book, the Bible. Read the book, Live Not By Lies. Come back next week. Let's talk some more. Thank you for listening to our Sermon of the Week. You can help us reach others by investing today at BethelCleveland.com slash give.